This is the last message in this series on new birth. And what I'm going to do for the rest of the year, I really feel this thrust. I'm going to really spend time talking to us about the successes that God has, the winning that God has prepared for us. But every now and then, I'm going to revert back to this. And I'm going to ask somebody that needs to repent to come and repent. I'm going to ask somebody that needs to be baptized in the name of the Lord to come and be baptized. And I'm always going to be emphasizing the necessity of being filled with the Spirit of God. Because that's the criteria that we need. It doesn't matter what success we have. Without that, all of our success is temporal. It's fleeting. It's vanity. It's vexation of spirit. So it's kind of like this is the foundation. And everyone that is a part of our body that joins us online, that comes here, should have experienced the new birth. You see, if we lead people who are not born again, we're doing them a disservice. Would you agree? Because the entrance goal is new birth. We said that except a person is born again, they cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. So to get them through the door, they have to have this transformative experience of being born anew. They've got to be baptized. They have to change the way they're going, their direction. And of course, they have to be filled with the spirit of God. And those things that I just told you about, repentance and baptism and washing and filling, those are consistent realities of walking with the Lord. Over the years, what what we have done is we've made them signposts and destinations, and they're not. They're actually entrance points and they're progressive points. You know that we're constantly being washed by the water of the word? We're constantly watched. We're constantly being filled with the Spirit of God. Ephesians 3.19 Until we are filled with all the fullness of God. And on a regular basis, you and I should be repenting. You should say amen to that. Changing our mind around certain things that we're thinking. Changing our mind around certain practices. Sometimes we have a moment where we stumble. Pick ourselves up again. The just man falls seven times picks him or herself up, and they keep going. Let's talk about this, this experience here, baptism in, in spirit. This is the third and the last part, baptism in spirit. Again, as I said, anytime you talk about baptism, these are areas of controversy for the body of Christ. And anytime you see the church being controversial, know that we're missing something that's very, very important. What the enemy does, I've noticed, is he gets us to fight over what's valuable. So we spend time fighting over it, not really fleshing it out. And then we spend time dividing over things that we should really be working to unite ourselves around. So whether it's water baptism or baptism in spirit, there's a long history of us quarreling. I speak in tongues. I don't speak in tongues. You're filled with the Holy Spirit the moment you give your life. No, it's a subsequent experience. And there's this constant back and forth because we love, listen to this, we love to quarrel over the Word of God. And the Word of God is not given, I want you to hear this, it is not given for quarrels and it's not given for debate. I know we love to debate, but the purpose of God's Word is to draw us close to Him. That's why he reveals himself through his word that we might know him and be able to relate to him. It is not. That's why Paul says, avoid this foolish uh, quarreling over this and that. All it does is it genders strife. If there is someone that you know that you are in relationship with and they don't agree with something that is in the word of God that you believe, 
use that as an opportunity to pray together to learn how to come to agreement on something. That's what the apostles did, you know. They came from different stratas of life. Some were fishermen, some were tax collectors, others were zealots. And Jesus put what, what we would call today this motley crew of people together. And I was sharing with someone, I was saying that he did it intentionally to show us that the gospel brings different people together and keeps us together. Properly done. Because do, do you know that Peter hated Matthew? No questions asked. Because as a fisherman, that would be his business. Matthew's job was to suck taxes out from Peter's business and give it to the Romans and put a little in his pocket. And he hated the tax collector. Hated the publicani, they called him. And then Jesus said, well, he, he's with me. And so the question is, if you're going to be with me, you have to also be with, with him. And they worked it out. They learned how to do that. It only took them three and a half years and they were able to come to a place where they were all of the same mind. And God blessed that and stamped that with his spirit. Let's talk about baptism in the spirit. Here's a scripture to launch off from. This is what uh, John says about Jesus. He says, I'm going to baptize you with water unto repentance. But there's one coming after me. He's mightier than I. His shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit, and he's going to allow that to be accompanied with fire. It's a promise. And that's what he says Jesus is going to do. The baptizer is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one that does the, the baptism. So let's, let's talk about this. To, to talk about the Holy Spirit, we have to go all the way back to Genesis, believe it or not, because that's the first place we encounter the idea of people being filled with the Spirit. The idea of being filled with the Spirit is not a New Testament concept. When you see it in the New Testament, we're recovering something that we lost. So when we look in the Bible, we're going to see that the Spirit of God is our life. And without it, we are lifeless. So you can watch, you can be a walking corpse. It's possible. Because the Spirit of God is not within us. Let me show you in the book of Genesis. I, won't, I don't think I've got to get excited today. It's a warm day. And I think you're going to really appreciate this. In the scriptures, the Spirit was our original breath. So the Bible describes Adam like this. And God formed the man like a potter forms a vessel. Yatsar is the Hebrew word. He begins to shape this body. And the idea there is that this body is there, but it is not animated. It has no life. And using what's called anthropomorphic language, God describes himself as a person giving almost CPR. And God breathed into the nostrils of the man. And to do that, watch, to breathe into someone's nostrils, you have to kiss them. So God kisses him with life. And the man became a living soul. It's almost like he's standing there until God blows into him. He's not able to. And then all of a sudden he comes to life. The Hebrews call that the neshama, the breath of life, the vital energy. And Adam becomes the first person that is filled with the spirit of God. Because what God does is he breathes out himself 
into the man. Spirit into the man. The man gets a spirit and together with the body, he becomes a living soul. He starts to breathe. Oxygen is not his first breath. His first breath is the spirit of God going in and he exhales out and he is alive. He is the first one that is filled with the spirit of God. The Ruach of God is in Adam. Watch what happens now. Of course, God says to him now, don't do certain things, do certain things. And God puts a prohibition behind doing certain things. He says, if you do this, if you eat of that tree, you know the text, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In the day that you eat that, you're going to die. And so what God identifies is that sin is what's going to take your breath away. Think about that. When you sin, it's going to rob you of your breath. In the Hebrew text, it literally says, in the day that you eat, yom is a day. Dying, you are surely going to die. In other words, though you are breathing, every breath you're taking is leading you closer to death. This is phenomenal because what I've discovered, watch, when a person is born, they're actually heading towards the grave. Isn't that interesting? Though you are four, four minutes old, you're actually heading to the grave. Sin robs him of his breath and takes his breath away. Kills his spirit. And so all he is, is he's a dead spirit. A person in a body having no contact to God. Because if his spirit is not alive, he cannot connect to God who is spirit. The connection to God is spirit to spirit. His spirit is dead. The journey back, God has to find a way, watch, to regenerate his spirit. To put back in the man, the woman, his spirit. In the Gospel of John, Jesus does this beautiful analogy where he's just about to go, but he does this, watch, he, on the disciples. Then he says, receive ye the Holy Ghost. And he's, he's really enacting what God did in the, in the garden when he breathed in into the man, prepares them to receive the Holy Spirit. You don't want to play with sin when you are spirit-filled. It doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes, but you don't want to play with it because it has and it runs the risk of taking that spirit away from you. Does that mean God leaves you? No, but the experience of being spirit-filled is diminished. Now, let's go just a step further. Watch this. Spirit baptism, when we get there ultimately, it allows us to breathe again. I'm not speaking about oxygen, so please see me on a different level. I'm not speaking about oxygen. I'm talking about the ability to experience the life that God has. I have come that they might have life and have it more. I don't think he was talking about boats and planes and cars, and there's nothing wrong with any of that, but I think he was talking about what we lost the life of God. The ability to breathe again. Listen to the text. And you have he made alive who were dead in trespasses and in sins. We can breathe again by the help of the Holy Spirit. Breathe into me, O Lord. That's what Fred Hammond wrote some time ago. Breathe into me, O Lord. Glory to God. 
I just feel like just pausing there for a second. Robert, you know what to do. Every hand raised for a moment. It's, it's just that important. I want you to ask God to breathe on you right now. Wherever you are, whatever the situation, ask God to breathe on you. Can these bones live? Lord, thou knowest. Well, prophesy to the wind. Father, I am speaking to the wind of God. Blow afresh upon us. Refresh our spirits. Those of us that are spirit baptized, refresh that baptism. Refresh our spirits right now. Holy Spirit, breathe on us. In Jesus' name, breathe on me, God. Breathe on me. Thank you. Thank you. The reason why we did that is, listen, for the believer, and I would say for all of humanity, spirit is everything. Spirit is everything. Listen to what God says to Zerubbabel. They've just come out of Babylon. They're going to try try to rebuild the temple. They're going to try to rebuild the walls. But there's some sort of consternation. Some people want to do it. Some people are discouraged. Others don't believe it can be done. And the angel says, tell Zerubbabel that it is not by might nor by power, but it is by my spirit, saith the Lord. You will find as a believer that you have moments of discouragement, moments when you feel weak, moments when you feel like, I can't go any further, I don't think I can do this, and God will send a fresh wind. And all of a sudden, you find the strength, what you never thought you had. You find the courage. It is not your strength. It is not the word of your friends, and that's important. It is the Spirit of God, watch, raising a standard. When the devil comes against you, watch, it's not your intellect that's going to matter. It's the Spirit of God that's going to lift a standard against him. For believers, and I'm not talking about, well, charismatic, no, I'm, I'm talking about what the Bible teaches about the Spirit of God. It's everything. I have to have the Spirit of God. If I didn't have the Spirit of God, I probably wouldn't be here today. Certainly, I wouldn't be walking with the Lord. When I am in trouble, what I need more than anything else, the Spirit of God. So let's, let's keep going just a little bit more. This is step three in the new birth process. Notice the first one is a change of mind. The second one is a watery grave that leads to resurrection and ascension, baptism in water. Now comes this one. Baptism, immersion in the spirit. God wants me immersed in his spirit. Can I say it like this? Until the spirit of God is coming out of my pores. Until, watch, when I speak, the spirit gives me utterance. Are you following what I'm saying? This is the third step. And I would think that three is completion. This is how we complete the process baptism in the spirit let me go through some things and i'm going to show you and you tell me what you think it is the will of god that his spirit dwell within us because that's the foundation he blew into the man the spirit went inside 
So the Spirit of God doesn't just want to hover around in your house and tap you on the shoulder. The Spirit of God desires to indwell you, making you a house for God or a tabernacle. So the Spirit of God wants to live inside of me. I want you to think about what I just said, because when I'm fooling around, he's living inside. Think about what I'm just, think about what I just said. When I'm talking about somebody that I shouldn't, he's listening from the inside. And so what I'm going to show you is how not to grieve the occupant that's on the inside. And I'm also going to show you that, watch, you never have to ask God, take me into your presence. He ensures that his presence is, watch, on the inside. Emmanuel becomes the indwelling God. So this is what I'm going to, I'm going to show you some evidences that the Spirit of God is living within. You tell me what you think. You can shout an amen my way if you agree, and you, you can say, uh, move on, Pastor, if you don't agree. The Spirit of God indwells me first as seed. He starts there because seed is very important. He comes in seed form. Let me show you what I mean by that. Seed means, watch, that he places a seed of sinlessness within me. Watch closely. So the Spirit of God comes in my life. At what point? I don't know because I'm not God for every person. But he enters my life. I tend to think when I acknowledge Jesus as Lord, he enters my life in seed form. Watch this. So now, he that is born of God cannot sin because there is a seed inside of them. And the idea of cannot does not mean that you won't. It means that you will not practice sin. Because there's a seed on the inside that's constantly telling you that's not what you should practice. What am I to do with that seed? It's in 1 John 3, 9. I'm to water that seed. So watch, when I read the Bible, I'm not just trying to incite my intellect. I'm actually watering the seed that's inside of me. That's why the Bible is called water. So I'm watering the seed. Hopefully, that seed will begin to grow. As the seed of the Spirit grows, you will begin to realize that, watch, the sin nature begins to diminish. And all of a sudden, the new nature begins to rise. You have less of an appetite for the old and more of a craving for the new because there's a seed inside of you. Oh, I like that. There's a seed inside of me. Now you understand what the enemy is trying to kill. Throughout the Bible, he's constantly trying to destroy the seed. The second thing that you will see is that the seed is also a seed of sonship. Now, don't change the word. doesn't matter how people are saying we need to be more inclusive with language. Sonship in the Bible is not gender. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor for relationship. For as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. So watch, what happens now is that seed puts me into relationship with God because I'm no longer in the flesh, I'm in the Spirit. If so be, the Spirit of God lives in me. And if anyone has not the Spirit of Christ, they are none of His. So the seed also brings me into relationship. That only makes sense because God is a Spirit he gives me the seed of his spirit so he and I can have, watch, spirit-to-spirit -spirit contact. So I deal with him spirit-to-spirit. -spirit. And he's going to show me how to become more 
how can I say this? Proficient in the spirit and less proficient in the flesh or in the natural carnal ways. So I, I have relationship with him and I have a seed that I'm watering. That's the first thing that happens. Number two, the spirit of God dwells in us through speech. This one I have to take about 30 seconds to a minute to really talk to you about. Because this is the idea of language. Language is a testimonial that the Spirit of God lives within me. Now, what we have done over the years, I'm going to tell you what we've done. We have said, well, people are going to speak in tongues and that's a sign they've got the Holy Spirit. True. But the challenge with that is sometimes some of the worst people speak in the most tongues. You see the frustration, right? So let me help you because you, you cannot speak in you know, unknown tongues here and then speak about me around the corner. There's something wrong with that because you become a two-headed fountain, sweet and bitter at the same time. So let, let me tell you what I think speaking in tongues is. And certainly there is unknown language, tongues of men and angels, all that. But let me tell you what I think the essence of speaking in tongues is. Number one, the Spirit of God gives me clean lips. This is important. This is what Zephaniah says, that the Lord will restore to his people in the latter times a pure language. The word language there is Shabbat. It's the word lip, that God will give me a clean lip. So the things that I speak are clean. Watch. What I say about others, clean. <laughs> what I say about myself, clean. What I say about God, clean. So that's the essence. I don't want people to do this thing where we are cantankerous people that speak in tongues that nobody can understand. And then when you speak to us in English, you don't want to talk to us. That I think is backwards. I think the essence of being in the spirit and being filled with the spirit is your language is clean. In other words, your words wash other people's lives. Your words water other people's lives. That's a good place to say amen. Zephaniah promised that God would give us that, a pure lip. That's how you know that you're filled with the Spirit of God. Your language is constantly being clean. Here's the second thing. Tongues means that the Spirit controls my lips. That's what tongues really is. James puts it like this. He says, in a horse's mouth there's a bit. And you put the bit in the bridle and you turn the horse where you want it to go. Control. He says on the ship, there's a small thing called a rudder. You turn it where you want to go. Control. Well, when the spirit of God is in my life, watch, he controls my tongue. <laughs> I know. I'm going to try my best. I know. He tells me what to say. He tells me when to say it. And he teaches me that a wise man is swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. He has control of this tongue. He does what Psalm 141 verse 2 says. He, verse 3, he has set a watch before my mouth and he guards the doors to my lips. The worst thing that you can have. And this is, this is Pastor Michael because th there are certain things. I don't struggle with fornication. I, I'm okay with people that fornicate. You could, we can talk. I'm not that concerned about people who are crooked. I'm, I'm okay with that. 
What I cannot deal with are spiritual people that gossip. <laughs> I, I, I can't, I don't know what to do with that kind of stuff. Because my understanding is the moment you go to gossip, the Spirit of God says, control. The moment you go to talk about somebody, he puts a, he says, brace. And the worst thing is when that spirit-filled gossip is a male. <laughs> True word of Yeshua. <laughs> I, ca I can't, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know where to go with that. I don't know how to handle that. Because the Spirit of God, watch, watch what the Bible says. And they were filled with the Spirit of God and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It could be that we're teaching people that they're filled with the Holy Spirit, but they're not yielded to that infilling of the Spirit. Check your language. Is it clean? Check your tongues. Are they controlled? That's a sign that I'm spirit-filled. Let's move one step further. Thank you. Then comes signs. So he's with me through seed. He's with me through speech. Now I'm in a good place to demonstrate signs. Evidence that there's power on the inside. Well, what would be the first place that people would see? Well, he gives me these. I call them edible signs. It's kind of like, you know how you can uh, pick up the phone and you say, I want to send a, an edible arrangement over to Daphne's house. And the florist will put together and they'll put these fruits. You know, you know what I'm talking about? They'll put these fruits on these little sticks, pineapples and things like that, and send it over. And you can eat them. So rather than sending flowers, you can send an edible arrangement. Well, it's the same thing with the Spirit of God. He gives us, and that's why I put these first, edible signs. These are called fruits. So that you have watched the right taste to other people. This is the greatest sign of being spirit-filled. You can read about this in Galatians 5. The greatest sign of being spirit-filled is when you come into someone's presence, you are sweet to their taste. Watch, you are not distasteful because now you're demonstrating love, patience, faith, temperance, joy, long-suffering, all of those things. And all of a sudden, you have what I call edible signs, and you shall know them by their fruits. I'm going to teach. This is what I think being spirit-filled is all about. I have a message to teach in a few weeks, and the, part of the message says that on the stage of life, God has not allowed any divas. So it is in the spiritual community. We don't have divas. We don't have high-minded people. We have fruit-bearing trees in the vineyard of God. So watch. Can I make it plain for you? So it's good to be around me. It's good to be around you. I want to talk to you. I want to come to your place. I don't dip the other way when I see you coming. And you don't dip the other way when you see me coming. Because my fruits are edible. Even God has edible fruits. You know, watch. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Watch. Blessed is the man that trusteth. Watch. When your fruits are edible, people will learn to trust you. 
<laughs> He's not preaching nothing. You better believe I'm preaching heaven down right now. This is going to make the difference in spirit-filled communities. Because in my experience in the body of Christ, spirit-filled communities have been the most hateful communities. They've been the most cut-down communities. They've been the most divisive communities. They've been the most slanderous communities. But I'm asking myself, well, what happened to the Spirit of God? If he's in those communities, number two, then comes the evidential signs. Notice now the Spirit of God will give you power, watch, to open blind eyes, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to let the lame walk, but in a particular order. The reason why you want edible signs is after you raise the dead and let the lame walk, you don't want them running away from you. <laughs> you want them running to us. This is another journey where we can believe God that these signs shall follow them that believe. You shall have power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. But it's because you've got seed, you've got the right speech. You've got the right signs. And then finally, watch. This is really an ultimate truth. The Spirit of God will seal you. Now, please have all those four. Because, because I'm, 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 maybe I'm wrong, God, but I, I don't think you're going to seal gossips for eternity. I don't think you're going to seal hateful people and divisive people for eternity. I, I don't think you're going to make a mistake of letting those people into whatever the city is. That's a long time to be with gossips. That's a long time to be with divisive people. The Spirit of God seals us. Watch this. We are protected by the Spirit. One of my favorite scriptures, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God raises a standard. A Hebrew word is noose. It means the devil is rising up, but the Spirit of God quells it. It means to abate to vanquish and to chase it away. We're protected by the Spirit of God. There's nothing to fear when you are Spirit-filled. God's got me. I don't always feel like it. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be very honest in my preaching. I don't always feel like it. But every now and then He wakes me up after I've complained a little bit to let me know I got you. I got you. I Watch, I'm going to talk to somebody. I got you when people drop you. I got you. I got you when people don't want you around. I've got you. The Spirit of God's got us. God's got us. He's protecting us. There's a term in the Bible. It's called a sigula. We're God's peculiar people. We're his Estee Lauder collection. He's got you. That's what the Spirit of God is telling you all the time. I got you. And the reason why I got you is I'm going to preserve you. He who has begun a good work. Oh my. I, I, I cannot be lost. I'm going to talk to myself. I'm going to talk to, I'm not talking to I'm going to make it in Jesus name. I'm, I'm talking to myself right now. I, I will make it. Some days don't feel like it, but I'm going to talk to myself on this altar today. I have been sealed by the Spirit of God. The King has put a seal on me. 
He's put a seal on your life. Spiritual people are not exonerated from the struggles of life. But they are given the equipment to deal with, to navigate through, to endure, and to tell themselves, nay, but in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved me. Ah, there's a confidence when you are spirit-filled presence. I told you to tell yourself, I have presence. And the reason why I've got presence is because his presence is on the inside. How, how do I get this? And I'm through now. How do I get the spirit of God? Depending on where you, you know, I, I, I thank God for it. I'm not going to, you know, I'm trying to tell myself, be thankful for your journey because, you know, the kind of person you were, you needed that. You know, God saves you in places that he knows you need. God had saved me in some other ministry. I would have, no, not the kind of guy I was. I, I needed a hard pastor with a whip. I needed an altar. I needed, I needed all of that. To shake off some of the stuff that had clung to me. But sometimes we make this gift so difficult. Here's how you get it. Watch it's so easy. Just ask and receive. It's just that simple. It's not predicated on how hard you push, it's predicated on just asking. Because watch, the altar doesn't baptize you. The pastor doesn't baptize you. The one praying beside you. It's Jesus who baptizes us. And if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly father know to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Just ask, I need this. This is the water that I've been thirsting for. These are the fruits that I need in my life. This is the language I've been looking for. I've been looking for someone to clean out my tongue. I've been looking for these fruits. Ask if you're in this place and you feel like I'm empty, I'm dry. Just ask. Lord, I need your spirit more than anything else. And for those of us that say, because sometimes when you teach, the people say, ah, I got that. I was filled with the Holy Spirit, 1984, spoken tongues for three hours. I got it. Talk to those other people, Pastor. You sure preach to them. Keep asking and keep receiving. Because I've discovered that what God wants to do is he wants to continually pour his spirit in your life. That's why Luke says it's the refreshing that comes from on high. I know I'm talking to myself. I may be talking to some others. But this is what I want on a regular basis. I want to be filled with the Spirit of God on a regular basis. It's like my gas tank, you know, and I'm not using a poor analogy. But sometimes the journey of life causes the tank of my spirit to go down. And every now and then I just need him to top it up. Am I talking to anyone right now? Listen, I'm through, but I want you to stand on your feet everyone we want rhema to be a spirit-filled house but the right way we want everyone baptized with the holy ghost and with that fire that burns out everything else but we want seed in us 
We want the right speech coming out of us. We want the right signs. We want fruit. And we want evidences. And then God, we desire to be filled with all the fullness of God. If you are here this afternoon, in the remaining moments, even online, I want you to take both hands as we always do. But in lifting, I want you to ask him for more of his spirit. However you ask, however you stylize your words. Today, God, I want to be immersed. I want to be filled and overflowing with the spirit of God. Breathe in me. Breathe upon me. Breathe into me, God. I lift my hands and I ask for the Spirit of God. I might be running on empty. I'm low and I've been worried and troubled, struggling on the journey. But God, I make a pit stop today. I ask you to fill me up. Fill my cup. I lift it up. Fill this church. Fill this body with your spirit, God. Fill us, I pray, in Jesus' name.